0: Welcome to the United States Southern Command Women, Peace, and Security Breaking Barriers podcast. In each episode, our guests from the Defense and Security Forces in Latin America and the Caribbean share powerful stories and provide valuable insights about gains being made to recognize women as equal partners in preventing conflict and building peace. This is the goal of the U.S. Southern Command Women, Peace, and Security Program and the goal of the Breaking Barriers podcast to make the invisible visible. Our host of the Women, Peace, and Security Breaking Barriers podcast is Ambassador Jean Mainz. While Ambassador Mainz is on special duty, the host for this episode is Lieutenant Colonel Julia Turner. Lieutenant Colonel Turner has served in the Air Force for over 24 years, has been deployed to Afghanistan and Bosnia, and currently serves as the chief of the Women, Peace, and Security Program here at U.S. Southern Command. Without further ado, here is your host, Lieutenant Colonel Turner, over to you.
1: Welcome to the Breaking Barriers podcast, where our goal is to highlight the meaningful contributions of women in security and defense. Our guest today is Division Inspector Naissa Pierre. She is from Haiti, and she is a pioneer. In fact, she is the first Haitian woman to graduate from the United States Coast Guard Academy. After graduating with a degree in civil engineering, Inspector Pierre commissioned into the Haitian National Police and currently serves in the cabinet of the director as a liaison officer working with the Haitian Coast Guard and the United States Embassy. Hello, Inspector Naisa Pierre, and welcome.
2: Hi, thank you so much for having me.
1: It is our pleasure and we're so excited to have you because you truly are a pioneer and such a wonderful role model for Haiti and really for the entire region and the globe. So I would like to start by asking, what was your trajectory like from Haiti to the United States Coast Guard Academy? And why did you choose that route? Why did you choose to serve your country?
2: So I was born and raised in Port-au-Prince, Haiti. So I went to high school and everything in Haiti. Um, And my parents were very proud Haitian citizens. So they always raised me to believe in giving back to my country. So when I was applying to colleges, I always knew that I would move back to Haiti and do something positive. And when the opportunity to apply to the academy arose, an opportunity to represent my country and study civil engineering at the same time, I just couldn't say no. So it wasn't at all an easy decision, but everything around me came together to show me that it was the right decision and in many ways, the only decision. And when I look back at the experience, it truly shaped me and changed me as well as taught me so much about my strengths and weaknesses as a person.
1: Well, thank you so much, Inspector Pierre. You know how powerful it is that giving back was the only decision that you could have made so young and then come, you know, leave your country, come to the United States with a big challenge. It sounds like to me a case of great opportunity meets great preparation with a big dose of bravery. So I I salute you for that. (laughs) Thank you. You chose to serve in security and defense, which is a male-dominated career. And then you chose to be an engineer, which is also a male-dominated field. Sounds like you really love a challenge. (laughs) So can you please tell us, why did you choose to become an engineer?
2: Well, studying engineering, it kind of just Specifically, civil engineering, it kind of just was the perfect mix of everything that I loved. As a kid, I always loved architecture. I would love drawing houses and playing games where I could build houses. And I, in school, always loved math. So those two things came together pretty perfectly in civil engineering. And on top of that, the idea of building something and designing a building that would be there for years and be up permanently or semi-permanently it always excited me so civil engineering was just the right choice
1: thank you so much for sharing that you know uh the makeup of the the workforce in science technology engineering and math the steam field is slowly changing and, and women are more and more choosing steam careers or really which really makes me happy. I I am a meteorologist by trade. I'm always a, I'm also a scientist. I, I kind of have an idea of what you went through in making that decision, you know, this passion for science. Yeah. I I did some research and here in the United States, women only make 15% of the engineering workforce. And anywhere between nine to twenty percent of our military, depending on the service. So while having seen, I'm sure you have seen that, to increased numbers of women joining our security and defense forces and choosing esteemed careers, we still have so much to work to do. And I, I applaud you for serving as an example and an inspiration in so many fronts and serving your country and, and choosing science. Really, uh, an amazing role model. And again, a lot of work to do. And in talking about work. I would like to shift gears here a little bit and ask you if you could tell us a little bit about what you do today in your function as an inspector for the Haitian National Police.
2: So, I am the liaison officer for the director general. So, I work in his cabinet to facilitate communication between his office. Haitian Coast Guard leadership and the U.S. Embassy. So I work on budgets and strategic planning. For example, we recently submitted the 2022 Haitian Coast Guard budget. I also work to help organize trainings that the U.S. Embassy wants to provide to Haitian Coast Guard members, whether that's in Haiti or in the U.S. And lastly, I work at the disposal of the director general. So if he needs me to help around the office, to work on a project that needs a little bit more support, I'm always there to provide a helping hand.
1: That's wonderful, so interesting. When it comes to budget and resources and training, really, uh, this is a foundation for what we do. We need to have the resources. We must have this foundation, the training. And I'm glad that you're working in that arena. I, I think when it comes to security and defense, we know here in the United States that we cannot do it alone. So I am so happy to hear that you are working with both uh, the Haitian government and also U.S. institutions to connect the dots. That can really make a lot of change and congratulate you for that. Now, sure, and now in what you are doing and your experiences you have had thus far, what do you think are some of the greatest benefits of having women integrated in all levels of defense and security?
2: I definitely think the greatest benefit is representation. Women integrating defense and security forces not only helps the population they are serving and protecting by having women there for other women, but more than that, it gives women who aspire to one day work in that sector a sense of comfort. I know when I integrated the Haitian National Police, I immediately met Two high ranking female officers. And that signaled to me that while I may face sexism, it would not be the determining factor of my experience. It made me feel like I wasn't alone. And for women outside of the sector, for young girls, it shows them that they have options. Seeing women in a male dominated field, especially in patriarchal societies like Haiti, provides young girls with a visual for their future. The Haitian National Police is only 12% women. Imagine how different things could be if we had more women around to take reports of sexual abuse and to help other women. And I have a story that isn't directly related to gender, but it's it kind of displays what I'm trying to say. During my first year at the academy, one of the older cadets spoke to me and he said that I could become the first international regimental commander. And I didn't realize until after it actually happened that that moment helped define what I believed would be possible for me at the academy and the role that I believed I could play while I was there. It opened the doors mentally. It showed me that I could get all the way to the top which allowed me to take on certain challenges. And when I got that position, I immediately contacted that person to let them know that they had changed my experience by speaking something on my life and helping me visualize something that I didn't even know I didn't think was possible. Without that ab- ability to visualize something, it's easy for us to categorize certain experiences and without intention, believe that certain roles are reserved for specific people. So representation is crucial.
1: Thank you so much, Inspector Pierre. True, like the representation really, they can relate with us, we can relate to them and really creates this uh, trust bond, right? Like we can trust one another because we identify in one another. Uh, It can be very powerful. And based on what you told me too, I I hear from what you're saying came to mind, the power of mentorship, you know, having someone that, that, that helps you to envision, even if there, there's no representation yet, or someone that looks like us in a certain position, but someone that helps us visualize that that is actually achievable and, and propel us into this idea. I, I love that you shared that story. I have a similar story. I come from the enlisted ranks and in very early in my career, I met a colonel and when he told me that he came from the enlisted ranks, it really opened my my sight. So this this piece of mentorship towards women and men really, it's not women to women and men to men. I think there's plenty of men that can really help women to grow and to have this vision and to com- and continue ascend in, in the ranks of the, our security and defense force. So cha- thank you so much for sharing this story. Uh, very revealing. Inspector Pierre, what has been your proudest moment while wearing the uniform?
2: I think my proudest moment was definitely graduation. And I tear up every time I think about that day because it was so emotional uh, because we were graduating virtually and my family couldn't be there. But I remember being alone. I had the time to think about everything I was able to achieve and all the positions I was able to hold while I was there. And I was so proud that not only was I able to graduate, but that I was the first Haitian female and one of the first two Haitian cadets to do so, period. And I was so proud of how I challenged myself and pushed myself. And I was so grateful that I was able to represent my country. So that was definitely my proudest moment.
1: That is wonderful. I can just imagine the emotions that you're going through walking and really representing an entire nation. I mean, talk about breaking barriers. This is what your perfect guest for our podcast. Talk about breaking barriers and representing. Um, And then the emotion and, you know, your parents being proud too. And I'm sure that goes so beyond your parents because the entire community is proud of someone like you. That's just wonderful. I tell you, years ago, I was a foreign area officer and I worked directly with Haiti. And I always have have had a, a special appreciation for Haiti, Haitian people, you know, for the resilience, the the humor, the hope. And I must say, I'm so proud of you for representing your country in such a professional and remarkable way. I, I think it's truly really inspiring, not only for the Haitian people, as I mentioned, but for all of us. So congratulations. Thank you so much. As a woman serving in defense and security, What are some of your goals now? What is that you want to accomplish next?
2: I'm in a place right now as a 23-year-old woman where I'm still discovering what's out there. I'm discovering what I like, what I don't like, what I want, what I don't want. And when I was younger, I had a very clear picture of where I wanted my life to go and who I wanted to be. And life kind of, it told me it had other plans, So I'm still listening to try to figure out what my goal is. I think everyone has a role to play in our world, and Haiti especially has so many areas that can be improved for women and in general, from women's access to education to gender-based and domestic violence. But I think my goal is to figure out what's next for me and to... Just help as many people and individuals as I can, because I think I find the most fulfillment when I'm interacting with people directly. And I hope that I find my place within Haiti's issues or maybe the world as a whole, and see where I can help the most and where I can contribute to just making people's lives better.
1: This is an amazing perspective, and and I'm sure that you know what this, in your heart this this urgency to serve. I'm sure you will continue to do that. And it just proves that, you know, you mentioned that you're 23 years old and, and you're young. But I tell you, listening to you and so many others that are young, this, you know, this new generation is coming through and then working also, we do a lot of work with the enlisted core uh, of our own country and, and our partners. And I tell you, rank and age are definitely not requirements for leadership and for role modeling and you're a perfect example of that as someone so young can represent an entire nation make us so proud serve as a role model inspire and still have the ambition you know you're just starting so i'm just glad that we got this interview in (laughs) now because later on i'm sure it would be a lot more complicated when you're like really engaged and involved in making strategic decisions so i'm so glad that you're here with us now and, you know, we will have you back. Then, you you know, we'll have you back here <laughs> in our podcast. Uh, what would you tell other women who want to join the Defense and Security Forces? I would say like in particular in Haiti and then maybe a message, a global message, if you don't mind.
2: I would tell anyone that it's possible, it's needed, and it will be beneficial. Whether you want a career in security and defense or you just want to give back, being a woman and having a presence in this sector will change the way it operates. Men and women have very different experiences and having a woman there to speak on these differences and to rely on on each other and to learn from one another it's crucial to changing and improving it for everyone. I would also say that you need to be comfortable with being the only woman in the room. You can't let it shake you. But if you have to, you have to let it drive you because you have something to, t- to contribute. And even if you're alone, you being there changes the conversation.
1: That's great advice. I love that. And, and uh, you're 100% right. You have to be comfortable and very often being the only woman in the room and then not really taking that as a, a, a barrier. Because before, for us women in uniform, we are servants first. When we have our uniform, we are servants first. So identify, oh, I'm the only woman, that can be disempowering. How about I am the most professional person in the room? Mm -hmm. How about there is a chair and I would like to take that chair and I will share my, you know, I will work hard and I will share my wisdom and participate. I think that that can be very powerful and empowering. Uh, to women that are joining in and really all of us. I, I, I've been serving for 24 years now, and I wish I had learned that lesson a long time ago. And I'm glad that someone, young as you are, already know that, that you have to be you know, the most professional and not really see gender as a barrier, because it's not. It can be sometimes.
2: I think I've definitely learned it by seeing the the women who came before me and seeing them hold themselves with such confidence and not being afraid to speak. And that definitely, it teaches you that you don't need to take your gender as a barrier. You don't need to listen to anyone who tries to make you feel like your gender is a reason for you not being able to achieve something.
1: I agree 100%. So, Inspector... Pierre, we did talk a little bit about mentorship. I wonder if you have any stories, any anecdotes that you could share with us about people who have mentored you and maybe not only women, but men, because obviously you were here and you didn't make it alone. It took a village. It always does. Do you have any stories that you could share with us?
2: I think I've been very fortunate to always be surrounded by very strong women Uh, From a young age, from elementary all the way up to high school, I had very strong female principals who taught me about being a strong woman and working hard. When I went to the academy and I had so many strong women, they were always going for positions of leadership. They were always pushing to be the best and do their best. And that's always who I surrounded myself with because I like this quote that says, look at your five closest friends, look at the five closest people around you, and I can tell you who you are. And I like to surround myself with people who inspire me to be the best version of myself that I can. I keep people close to me who have attributes that I hope to learn from. So I've definitely had a lot of mentors and I've definitely had a lot of people who have pushed me. One of my closest friends at the Academy, always told me, because I would always tell her that I wanted to just kind of not take up too much room while at the Academy and I didn't want to apply for positions. And she would always tell me to not take this experience for granted and not allow the fact that I'm not from the U.S. and that... I'm an international student to keep me from learning as much as I can and challenging myself as much as I can, because at the end of the day, the academy was there for me too. The academy was there for me to grow as well and for me to learn as well. And she she was one of the people who definitely changed my experience and who always pushed me. And I would always go back to her and ask her for help when I wanted to do something and I needed to talk to someone. And she we're still very close we talk all the time
1: is the mentorship is the support system the inspiration I love what you said you know it is true the people who are closest to you you reflect who they are and they reflect who you are so you know my next question to you is can we be friends (laughs) of
2: course (laughs) I would say we already are I feel like we've been talking so much and it's so personal (laughs)
1: There we go. So there we go. You know, for all of our listeners, the beginning of a strong friendship here. That's (laughs) that's wonderful. I'm looking forward to it. And I am sure your experience has not been easy, right? We talked about so much positive, so many positive things, uh, so much success, but I'm sure it came with challenges too. It always does. So what were some of your challenges and how did you overcome them?
2: So the academy was definitely a challenging experience. I think the hardest year for sure was my first year and specifically slob summer. I actually ended up in the hospital with rhabdomyolysis. Um, and it's, you can look it up, but basically it's when your muscles are breaking down too quickly and your body is producing too much kind of toxins that your kidneys can't clear out at a fast enough rate. So I ended up in the hospital and I remember being alone and my family being in Haiti and being on the phone with them. And I wasn't sure if I would be able to make it through and finish, but I had my company chief who would come and visit me regularly. I had a sponsor family who would come and visit me regularly. And they reminded me that I would be okay and I would be able to finish. And I'm glad that I did because if I hadn't, I don't know who I would be today. I would be such a different person. The Academy really changed who I am, changed how I see the world and how I see myself.
1: So there is a support system and there was your attitude as well which is, you know, extremely relevant to what we do in security and defense. And, you know, this seems to be, you know, it's just in your world, your reality. But it is really, I can see so much of of me and you, like you're telling these stories. I remember when I went to basic training to become an officer, I was already in the military and I hurt my foot and the trainer um, instructor, he said, you know, I think we have to send you home. and. That was not an option to me. I had worked so hard to that point and I was in so much pain. But I did tell him, I said, you send me home when you tell me that they need to cut my foot. And I was just limping the whole way. But I, I did not want to give up that opportunity. And of course, I it took a lot of uh, support from my teammates to go through it. So I think it's inspiring for you to share that you did have this challenge and that you overcame. And and that's the reality to all of us serving in the military, women and men. We go through a lot physically, mentally, spiritually, and really surrounded by those 5, 10, 20 people that can carry us when we're down. It's the only way to make it. So thank you so much for, for sharing this. Inspector Pierre, now I would like to be visionary because I know you will go very far and because I know we will have listeners in Haiti as well. So do you have a message specifically to the people of Haiti?
2: I think Haiti is a country that has been through so much and I think will go through so much. We are at a place where we need to decide as a country what's next, where we need to come together And choose to do what's right for the majority rather than what's good for the individual, for yourself. Where we need to sacrifice for our country and help each other. And I think that we're at a point or we're reaching a point where our current state is unsustainable. And when we get to that breaking point, I hope that people in my generation will come together to lead the country into a better place.
1: Thank you. You know, we know that countries that are more stable and have this endurance to natural disasters and, and, and crisis, they the countries that that include their women, right? That in, empower and include their women. They do better. This is not wishful thinking. This is reality. This is statistics. Countries that, that include the significance contributions of women in all you know all sectors of government do better and i think here there's a lot of room for all of us to grow and and i'm just so glad that you are representing you know the segment of the pop, the world population where 50% of the world's population are women so we really need to see what you mentioned earlier this representation not only because it's the right thing to do but because it's the smart thing to do for stability for security for you know enduring democracies and I'm just so happy that that you shared that. Well, I, I think we are about to wrap up the episode, and we have a final question that we ask everyone who comes to our show, and it is: in thinking of gender perspectives in defense and security forces, how do you think that each individual, each one of us, what can we do to make the invisible visible?
2: I think it's our job to remain educated. We need to make it our job to learn about the experiences that are invisible. It's hard to see something you don't know you should be looking for. It's hard to unmask something you didn't know was masked to begin with. And I think this applies to any type of minority, whether it's gender, race, sexual orientation, we need to understand each other's experiences in order to improve them without putting the burden of educating everyone on the minority. And I think also, believe them the first time. It's so hard to go through any type of discrimination and finally get the courage to speak up, only to be asked to prove what you were speaking on or to be told that you're exaggerating and just be dismissed. We need to make it possible for people to speak up so that when these instances occur, they aren't shushed or swept under the rug, but they're dealt with and the offender is held accountable.
1: Yes, I think that you're referring to personal responsibility and the establishment of mechanisms that create safe spaces where people can communicate and can open up and can really share experiences and correct issues that involve exactly what you said, gender, race. It's very important to have this transparency and safe space. Yes. Great. And, and you know, and this is when we are talking about creating those spaces and we talk about Women, Peace, and Security, I always like to make the point that this is not a women's only effort, right? It's, it's everyone's effort. Women Everyone, peace and security, yes. yes. Women, peace, and security and gender perspectives is, is in is not exclusive to women. It is inclusive of women and men. And we cannot disregard for sure the important role them the men have in ensuring the meaningful inclusion of women, security and defense and beyond. So in particular, as you mentioned, to create this, the safe spaces that are, you know that address issues effectively.
2: Yes, exactly. It's so important for people to feel like they can be heard and to feel like they are safe in speaking up on any issues that and any discrimination that they face.
1: Inspector Pierre, it has been such a pleasure to chat with you today. Congratulations for representing Haiti, the men and the women of Haiti in such a wonderful way. Thank you for embodying hope and for being such an inspiration to all of us.
2: Thank you so much for having me and for giving me the opportunity to speak and to use my voice, especially in this space of Breaking Barriers.
1: We are very thankful to you too. Thanks.
2: Thank you very much for listening
0: to the Women, Peace, and Security Breaking Barriers podcast. We hope that you will join us next episode as we share new stories and continue to make the invisible visible. This podcast is a production of the U.S. Southern Command's Women, Peace and Security Program and the Florida International University Stephen Cruz Institute for Science, Media and Technology. The views, thoughts and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect the views and opinions of the U.S. Southern Command or the Stephen Cruz Institute. The hosts, guests, and WPS team members receive no financial benefits for participating in this podcast. To learn more about our Women, Peace, and Security program, please visit southcom.mil and look under Lines of Effort.